Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Murders, Mysteries, and Conspiracies. I'm Glenn Klinger. I'm an author. If you don't know who I am, I write the Rolling Justice Mystery Series along with the NTSB Mystery Series. And today we're going to talk about the third worst aircraft accident disaster in history. And the difference between this aircraft accident and others is there's a lot of conspiracy theories and a lot of controversy surrounding this specific accident. So first I want to, before I get started, I want to thank my sponsor, Florida Pickleball Clothing Company, for all your pickleball needs, FloridaPickleballClothingCompany.com. It's July 17, 1996. And TWA Flight 800 is sitting on the tarmac at New York's Kennedy Airport. It's a muggy night, but it's clear. Um, you can see for miles, so the visibility is fantastic, unlimited. And this Boeing 747 is sitting there waiting to be released for takeoff. Now, the reason they were being held is that there was a bag in the baggage hold that did not match up with a passenger. And they were trying to find out who, who it belonged to. And the reason that's important is because years before, an Air India flight killed 300 plus people when a bag was loaded by terrorists in the baggage compartment. And it blew up in flight and killed those the people on board. Of course, that terrorist wasn't on the plane. So that's what they were worried about. So finally, after an hour, they give them uh, permission to take off and they take off and everything's normal. They're cleared to 13,000 feet. They're holding at 13,000, then cleared up to 15,000. And so they were beginning their ascent to 15,000 and then the plane explodes and a huge fireball, 230 people lose their lives in, in an instant. Now, this particular aircraft accident, I wanted to give you a little backstory. This was a few years removed from when I graduated from Florida Institute of Technology. I studied, many of you know, I studied there, studied aviation aviation science there and I was in the pilot program at Florida Tech and between in the interim between my undergraduate and my master's I took a class in uh, aircraft crash investigation at Embry-Riddle Aeronautical University now it's a fantastic school Embry-Riddle is a great school Florida Tech's a great school and I learned a lot in it and one thing I did learn was it's very difficult with to investigate these crashes it's it requires a specific very specific skill set and it's hard these people are put in very stressful situations and some really bad conditions and they have to try and solve these incidents and find out what happened and this was so, you know, when I was a young pilot, I used to read these crash reports because I wanted to get an idea of how these people may have messed up if it was pilot error or whatever, so I could not do that myself. 
but this was interesting when this plane exploded there was so much controversy and so many things uh, that evolved around it that i decided and came up with an idea to write a fiction book or a fiction series based on ntsb crash investigators and that's why i wrote my first book flight 412 and that gave you a little backstory into how important this was to me because it really hit home. I mean, that made me really appreciative of what these people were trying to do and how they were trying to help solve these crashes. The, with a normal, with these crashes, the normal thing is to look at the flight crew, then you look at the maintenance records, then you look at all those things because normally it's pilot error, structural failure, um, weather related, could be, you know, could be a host of things, but normally that's the progression that they go in. Now, this was the, like I'd mentioned, this is the third worst aviation uh, crash in aviation history. So what the first thing they did is they looked at the um, flight crew. Now the flight crew was uh, one of the best flight crews out there. TWA had. They had Ralph Kavorkian. He was the pilot in command, and he was in the left seat. He was being observed because in the right seat, Steve Snyder was the line check pilot. So you have to kind of understand these guys. Uh, he had thirty. Steve had thirty years experience. Pilots go through a tremendous amount of training. They go through six-month uh, first-class physicals. Then they go through con consistent sim training, constant evaluation. And this is just part of the process. The guy in the right seat is going to observe the pilot in command, and he is going to um, make sure that he's doing everything he needs to do as far as uh, operating his pilot in command. Now the 747 has a flight engineer. It's a three-person cockpit. And the flight engineer monitors all the systems, fuel flow and all the different systems. And that takes that workload off of the pilot so they can just fly the airplane. The, uh, the flight engineer on this flight was Ollie Kruckman. He was new. He'd only had six flights and he was ecstatic to be on this 747. Um, as a flight engineer, he was so, so excited, but he was still being observed because Richard Campbell was in the jump seat and he was the flight engineer training officer. So he was training Ollie, observing him, and they had 12 flight attendants along with a host of other TWA employees, flight attendants and pilots that were deadheading to other places. So it was a pretty full flight, but these guys had, um, they had a fantastic crew and what was surprised that right off the bat, you know, this thing's explodes, falls into the ocean. And normally what happens is the NTSB comes on the scene. They have uh, a lead investigator and lead investigator takes charge sets up everything and they go from there. Now in this instance, they had another variable because 
the FBI shows up. Now, the FBI comes in. Jim Calstrom, I believe, was uh, leading for the FBI. He comes in and just kind of, they kind of take over. And it, they made it seem like a partnership, but it's pretty much a sit down, shut up deal for the NTSB. We're going to control this. We're going to make sure because we think there's a crime here. And at first you're thinking, well, what's what's the possible crime? The plane explodes. It's a it's a major hole loss and people lost their lives. But what's the crime? Well, it turns out that a number of witnesses came forward and there's your witnesses. I always like to bring up witnesses came forward saying that a missile or two missiles ascended from the ground and moved in an erratic fashion, darting back and forth, and then collided with TWA Flight 800. Now, normally they could, you know, it was around the 4th, this was the 17th of July, so 4th of July was just over. It could be just somebody shooting off fireworks, right? Well, the FAA had the radar sweeps and they watched this missile or this object move towards the plane and merged with the aircraft. So it hit the aircraft. Now there was a boat below a TWA flight 800 that they, it was unidentified. It was on surface radar, big boat, but it turned and moved away after the accident at 35 miles an hour and normally you know in america in an accident like that anybody that's on the ocean will go and try and help with <clears throat> passing you know with with survivors of course there was none but uh any type of search and rescue type thing but these people just they darted they left the scene so when you start looking at um some of the things that that happened, it becomes obvious that that these witnesses, nobody wanted to know who they were. Nobody wanted to, to talk to them. You had, just to name a few, they had uh, Mike Wire, he was standing there, he saw the missile go up. Dwight Bromley, now this guy was on a flight, another flight, he was on a U.S. Air Flight 217, and he was looking out the window and he saw this, what he thought was a missile go up and hit that plane. Lisa Perry and Paula Drulis, they were on their decks watching, and they saw it, plain as day. So, but the one that really, really gets me, the, the witness that really stands out for me is Fritz Meyer. Now, Fritz Meyer is a decorated combat veteran from the Vietnam War. He won the Distinguished Flying Cross, which is, is a huge honor. He was flying that night. He was flying that night and he saw, he said, I've been in combat. I've seen military ordnance. He said, that was a missile. That was a missile that hit the plane. And there was, it was so horrific. He said there was bodies falling past his helicopter and that's how bad it was. But he, they never took a statement. Well, they did. They listened to a statement. He went to the FBI and, and he said, I want to make a statement. And they found the most junior, junior person and they said, well, go take his statement. So he goes in a room with Mr. Meyer 
And he takes a little notepad and he writes down, give me your name, give me your address. And he said, what'd you see? And Mr. Meyer tells him five minutes talks about what he saw. And when he's done, the guy never took a note. He just looked at him and said, well, okay, are you done? And he said, okay, well, thanks for coming in. And nothing. You know, they, he never did, he never followed up. They never did anything. So the reason at this time, there's a lot of terrorist stuff going on in the mid nineties. And I think the, the United States was afraid that this was going to be a huge controversy. So they come up with this plan and they say, well, it was vapor in the center fuel tank that was ignited during the flight that caused this thing to blow up. Now that has never happened before on a 747. It's never happened since, but they're saying it's an anomaly, something that happened and that's what caused this huge accident. So they're looking at a lot of the stuff. Now they start dragging up parts of the plane. Now, when you're looking at an aircraft accident, you always hear the black box. They want to find the black box. Now, what's important about the black box? You have two elements in the black box. It's the flight data recorder, which records 88 parameter groups, everything from throttle settings, flap settings. If that, if it's happening on that airplane, it records it. Then you have the cockpit voice recorder. Now the cockpit voice recorder does a 30 minute loop and it records anything going on in the cockpit. Now what's important, anytime you have an accident like that, you want to take the flight data recorder and you want to take the cockpit voice recorder and you match those two things up so that you can hear what's going on. We can see what's going on with the plane and you can hear what's going on in the cockpit. So to give you an example of why that's valuable, uh, the Air Florida Flight 90 that crashed in the Potomac years ago, I don't know if you've seen that one, it was cold weather, it was snowing. These guys were southern pilots flying in warm weather. And when you're going over the checklist, you read the checklist items back. So you, there's no confusion. And they can hear it on the cockpit voice recorder. Well, the one gentleman said, engine heat. And they set off. They were used to flying in warm weather. And the guy said, it's off. And they just kept going. That one mistake, that one button that he missed caused those engines to freeze up. They couldn't produce any lift. And that plane crashed into the Potomac, killed a lot of people. So that's why it's important. But the FBI only interviewed 2% of the witnesses, 2%. And they were blaming this all on some kind of mystery fuel tank explosion. But Mr. Myers said there was actually three explosions, two little ones and one big one. Um, but you had some folks that got involved. Now, Liz Sanders was a flight attendant with TWA. She was upset because of all the stuff going on. Her husband, Jim, was a former police officer who was an investigative reporter. So, they wanted to find out. They started looking at, they, they mapped out the debris field and that's what they do. The debris field was two miles. And when you map out a debris field, you can see, you know, what fell off the plane first, how the plane came apart. And <clears throat> for some reason, they, they looked at rows 17, 18, and 19. 
because they felt there was some something happened there. So they, when they were reconstructing this plane, they got a huge hangar. They're reconstructing the plane in a hangar, and they go. Uh, Jim Sanders gets a hold of uh, Terry Stacy. Now Terry Stacy was a big wig at TWA, so he could get in there. So he goes in there, and and he takes a piece of the seat back, and he sends it to Jim, and Jim sends it off, and it comes back testing positive for for an explosive that would be in a solid uh, solid fuel rocket. Well, what do they do? They start going after Liz Sanders, Jim's wife, because she introduced Jim to Terry Stacy. She goes in hiding for eight months, and the FBI finally finds her, and they arrest her and Jim, charge them with um, collecting evidence. It was uh, taking evidence. It's a pretty minor thing but they convicted him and they got in trouble for that but uh, it's still it was what he was trying to find out that's what is really important well then the cia says well hey we can come up with a, a reenactment so they do a reenactment and their reenactment has of course has the center fuel tank exploding the plane goes up and over and crashes and tear and comes apart now you imagine how terrible it would have been. The, the cockpit falls off the plane. <clears throat> if you're a passenger on that plane and you survive the initial explosion, you're going to be hit with 200 mile an hour winds, right? And whatever else is coming off the plane. And if you're still, you're going to be riding that thing down. And that has to be a pretty horrible way to die. So the reenactment of the CIA, I think, was just to try and appease people. And uh, what they did is they wanted to try and find out what these people actually saw that saw the missiles. So they did a missile reenactment and they took a shoulder fired surface to air missile. Now those things are accurate up to 15,000 feet. And this plane was between 13 and 15. They'd just been cleared through 13 to 15. So very, you know, that could be it. The data said this, the radar data said the same thing. And these people that looked at this, reenactment said that's exactly the way the smoke trail that I saw was acting. So that didn't work out too well for them. You had a lot of different things going on. You had um, the machinist union was upset because they were saying it was a it was some type of uh, error with the aircraft. You know, the aircraft exploded and they were they couldn't find an ignition source. Jet fuel is not that volatile. I saw an experiment where the guy took a bowl of jet fuel and he just dumped and uh, put a um, a lighter out in it. You know, he just, it wouldn't ignite. It wouldn't ignite. So um, there were 736 witnesses that came forward and none of them were, were allowed to testify at the NTSB hearing. No witnesses. The radar data... Uh, was altered, so it was altered. So there's some things that were missing there. The last few minutes of the flight data recorder were, or last few seconds were erased. The debris field suggests that it was a missile. The radar data picked up a missile. Um, explosive residue on the plane and the seat backs. 
Um, it's just a lot of things point to this being an actual being a missile, being something other than what they came out with. But Mr. Sanders said he knew that the media, when he was arrested and they walked his wife past all those reporters, none of them, nobody talked about it. Nobody wanted to help. So <clears throat> it was basically a cover up from the start. I went back and looked at the flight manifest because I wanted to see who was actually on that plane. <clears throat> I think that's important that you look at who was on the plane. Was that plane brought down for a specific reason? Because somebody was on it that they didn't want to be on it. <clears throat> so a lot of things come to mind. What I want you to do as your homework is <clears throat> look at all the stuff that I provided in the description. Go back, look at it. I'd love to know your thoughts on it and, uh, and love to know your feedback. TWA Flight 800 was a tragic third largest uh, aviation accident in U.S. history. So look at it. Let me know your thoughts. This has uh, been another installment of Murders, Mysteries, and Conspiracies. And I want to thank you for listening and thank all the people that have supported this little journey. And I will see you again next time. Have a good day.